Welcome to the end of day three at Wimbledon. The first round is not over, so day three is over. That's not great. But it's still been a much nicer tournament than the French Open so, so far. So much better. Which I think, oh, by the way, it's a challenge <laughs> running. Ben Rothenberg, Courtney Nguyen, hey. Courtney. But the reason, I think a really a big reason why this tournament's felt so much nicer is Marcus Willis. Will Bomb. I really think so. I mean, Marcus Willis, for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, why are you listening to this show? Because, like, <laughs> do you even care about it? That's a good point. Uh, Marcus Willis ranked 775 before starting with Wimbledon pre-qualifying. Now 772, so already on my way up, just based on some nice math. We'll be going up even further because he won three matches in pre-qualifying, three matches in qualifying, and then a match in the main draw against Ricardus Barrancas. Seven matches, usually wins the trophy. Not him. They played I mean, Federer. Getting to play Roger Federer on center court cool is trophy. a pretty cool trophy. Uh, Worth more and, than a lot of trophies. And I, I could be wrong here, but I believe I saw this from maybe Stu Fraser, uh, some British writer. But he was, but that Marcus Willis was the last in to pre-qualify. That's correct. That's he incredible. Was, he was, I mean, he, this and, whole story is. And just he was like, and he was nuts. like saying because he was like tracking because like yeah, because like David Rice's ranking lost some ranking points, and so I got in. So it was like a close call from even getting in there. So and I don't think he would have gotten a wild card because he's kind of old and washed up in, in theory on paper for sure he was and so he still did this and I wrote a story about um, about it over the weekend before he the story is like ridiculous it's just it was you one, can't I, make it up I felt, I mean, I, I felt like ridiculous writing I was like <laughs> I was like so the, the trajectory of this guy is Marcus Willis like thinks he's gonna quit competitive tennis go how old is he? he's 25 okay so but like being ranked outside the top 700 it was kind of game over him he hadn't British ever, obviously he never cracked the top 200 before so it's not like his he had, like people would have reasonably thought he had a big career ahead of him. Um, I mean, potentially yes, but the results were just never there. So he's thinking about quitting, thinking about moving to the U.S. And then like one night goes out and meets a girl, and you'll hear from her. Uh, and actually, let's hear from her right now, Jennifer Bate on meeting Marcus. How uh, how how we the met? The, and how you, how, yeah, how you met and how the role I guess that you played in getting him. Everything stick is stick at this. Pretty much been crazy because. I was on a night out in London with my cousin. Yeah, we'd both been kind of in wrong relationships and having a bit of a girly night and playing a sword man, that kind yeah. of thing. And then uh, Marcus wasn't meant to be in Mahiki. He'd been at an Eddie Goulding concert with his friends and just on a chance visit went there. It's a bar. A, a bar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bar in London and, and that's where we met. Okay. Um, I actually got chatting to a couple of his, his girl friends that were with him. And they said, you know what, come to our table, have a drink. We're like, go on then. And then, and then we just met and just, to be honest, it, it was a blur after that. I can't remember much, much else. And, and then uh, we went on a little walk after. I said, yeah, let's get, go out, get some fresh air, go on a little walk before yeah. we get a, ca- a cab. I was staying with my cousin. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm meant to be going to America soon. And I was like, what? You can't go to America. This is the night you met? The night we met. Wow. I said you've just met me, you can't move to America. Like, but I said it jokingly, and then, you know, um, he told me he was a tennis player. And so when was, it, when was this? This was during the week that I'd met him. What, what about, like, month or year? I'm just, I'm just trying to remember. How, how long ago was this? But we met four months ago. Oh, only four months ago? Yeah, wow, it's been okay. crazy. It's been fast, then, yeah. Really fast, but it's intense tennis, and my situation, I'm, I, I was on my own. I've got two little boys. Yeah. Um, wouldn't let anyone in, completely on my own for two years, and I... I don't know, I just met Marcus and 
it just felt right and then this happening everything it's just confirmed it because if we hadn't met at that time that place he would be coaching in america right now yeah and crazy of course, I love it first sight to be like it don't was. move country it from was. the first and night it you was, meet somebody it wasn't yeah it wasn't even lust at first sight it was full love at first sight i, I got home and i said to my mum like mum i've met the guy i've met the guy i know it's the guy and then when she met him she was like i think he's the guy i think he's the one and then this all happening it just reaffirms everything it's um but it has been crazy nothing's really sunk in yet and he's done this i mean i, I know he he met me and he wouldn't be here without me but he's played just such good tennis. no so all that happens and then like the fairy tale like the stupid wimbledon movie which i which i like was like plot points were too close not to mention he comes he wins he plays better and just had a wonderful time and just was a fun guy I think that that's really what helped. It, it's not just the plot points, and it's not just uh, oh, I met a girl, and you know, and we we. Lots I of players meet girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other episode of, of that's a whole series of episodes of No Challenges Remaining. If, if we we can get them on the record, um, or say the things that we've seen, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, what made and I think what transformed the story and what gave the story life is just Marcus himself. It's just that he was so just a great personality, incredibly witty, uh, self-deprecating, you know, and and just was very well and truly the everyman. Yeah. There was everything about him, every single like twist and turn of his story of being kind of a tubby uh, dude. And, you know, we, there's challenger footage, obviously, as you yeah. got. You know, razzed and and called Cartman uh, from from South Park and, and, and gambler. Yeah, and and kind of laughed it all off. And how and how great was that footage that came out yesterday? So yeah. I dug up the archive video. I mean, you I know you made a, a meme out of it already. <laughs> Just what, what is it? What were you? How much? What did you like most about seeing that clip of, of archive Cartman? Because I was I remember watching it live. I, remember, I don't know if I mentioned on the show. It might have back in twenty fourteen. Very very in passing. It was just like a very memorable thing to watch and seeing him much heavier than he is now. I don't know if all 55 pounds or whatever it was heavier, but significantly heavier and just tormenting Tennis Sangren, who's his opponent. It just looks miserable losing <laughs> to this guy. Um, yeah, and, and going out there with the, with the with the Coke and the Snickers and just, and just like milking it, just like the slow bite into the Snickers and like pulling the caramel like he's in an ad. And it just all, also, it it's, it's just the self-awareness of it all and, yeah. and that he doesn't take it seriously. And I think that that's, again, like what it's, again, just so refreshing about it was, you know, it's you can imagine a story like this with a protagonist that was just real boring, that just had like a an incredible run and made it through but these things happen. Yeah, but he, exactly, and, and and without his personality, without just how hilarious he was, how um, he's just a funny dude who just kind of is like completely blown away that all this stuff is happening and doesn't understand it either and doesn't have the answers and doesn't get all philosophical. He's just kind of like, oh, like yeah. this is happening, but like in an incredibly charming way. I think that's why the story got legs. And um, you know, it, it, like I said, we we get. One thing that I, I remember thinking today when I was watching that match against Federer um, out on center court and why it was so funny. I mean, the guy was getting bageled. It's not like it was a competitive match. It was more competitive than the scoreline indicated because Agreed. he did get break points. He did get 30 all games. I mean, Roger was winning all the big points and really swinging those, those games his way. But I think that what was so nice about it is a lot of times I think at these tournaments, at any tournament, you sit down with the draw. There are very rarely combinations of players playing that you've never seen before 
or that you see something you genuinely don't know what's going to happen. Like, even if it's a first-time meeting between two veteran players yeah. or even two ingenues, you kind of know what's going to happen because you're familiar with both players. There's data sets. There's online. data sets. Yeah. There were no data sets here. And and so it was just kind of fun to be like, let's see what this because, dude because, does. Because he went out and he killed Barankis. That was yeah. not a close match. He beat him 3-3-4 three, three, and four and just very comfortably. I mean, it was closer than, again, the score suggests because he saved 19 out of 20 break points. <laughs> I think 20 break points in three sets takes him doing, uh, especially when you're not, you know, not, not long, long sets. So yeah, so that was all pretty great, and it all comes back to just the joy of the Cartman moment before that. Yeah, and again, just the human element of it. He's huffing and puffing. He looks exhausted. He's wearing a shirt that is Roger Federer's from Roger Federer's line that he bought himself for Wimbledon last year that he didn't get to wear because he didn't get to Wimbledon last year, so he wore it. And so he's just this disheveled, you know, kind of guy who's making bad decisions out there, who looks a little awkward, um, but also has these just moments of magic. I mean, that lob that he hit over Federer, I mean, to get a racket clap from Roger, he is, he does not give those away the way that Novak Djokovic gives those away. Like, those are well-earned <laughs> um, when Roger Federer gives you the racket clap. So, And then just with, you know, yeah, there was just no pretension about him. And I think that... For me, covering the sport, that in and of itself was incredibly refreshing. So first, let's hear from Marcus today after his loss. Federer in press. I thought I played okay. I was in games. I just didn't get on the board. Um, he makes you play his class. Um, put me under the cosh, came out firing. But yeah, so there was a lot of 30 or 15 30s. But, but yeah, I didn't get on the board to the second. I thought, I thought I played okay in the first set. I didn't think I deserved to do six love, but there you go. What was that moment like when you walked out on centre court? What was that? What, describe that moment. What that felt like when the crowd rose to you? <laughs> yeah, amazing. It's not my standard Wednesday. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> next Wednesday might be quite different. <laughs> what is your standard Wednesday? <laughs> uh, feeding them in to mini. Yeah, I don't know. Is it mini reds on Wednesday? I don't know. I need to check my check my diary and see who I've got on a Wednesday. But it's it's not playing Roger Federer on centre court. Are you going to stick with your plan of um, not going back to playing futures or challenges until next year? Or um, I think it will change a little bit, but I still want to keep my head down and, and keep coaching. I do enjoy it. Um, I'm all ears to, to wildcast to, uh, to big events, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking, but I, I will play some. I need to keep mine, and, but I will keep training as I have been. I've been training and playing a lot, so that's not going to change. And uh, I think I've got time to, uh, to hit my peak in a few years. Can you describe an average Wednesday when you get up in the morning, what you'd normally be doing? Um, not enjoying my alarm, that's for sure. But uh, getting up, uh, training in the morning, hour and a half, two hours, stretching, all that malarkey in the gym. Um, and then I think I'm four to late on a Wednesday, on court, four hours straight. So I get a cup of tea and, and bang out four hours. Uh, walk away from this experience thinking more I, I can die happy now I've played on center <laughs> against Roger so positive over there is it that sort of versus maybe this fuels the fire to want to feel this sort of feeling more yeah as I said even before I played Barankis in the first round I want to be here this is where I want to play tennis I think I'm good enough I've got a lot to work on um, a lot to improve um, so that's exciting for me. If I'm if I'm playing like this and I've got a lot to work on and improve, then then it can be exciting. You 
had great things to say about him, like there. When he was in here a little while ago, he said of you, he's got a career after this. He definitely made the most of it. How does it make you feel to hear Roger Federer saying things like that about you? It's very kind. He was he was a true gent today, as, as he always is. Um, that's very kind, and, and I'd, I'd agree with him. I've got, as I said, I've got things to work on, but it's, it's, a, good, it's a good start here. <laughs> very good start. Roger, the back. Getting to play Roger in the tennis court at Wimbledon at this stage of your career feel ridiculously out of order, like something got shuffled, or do you feel like this is all a natural progression of where things were supposed to happen for you? Got, got a bit out of hand. I mean, I wasn't expecting it this year, but two years ago, well, three three years ago, I was I was working ridiculously, ridiculously hard, and I was sort of surprised that the results weren't coming, let my head drop, and then, but now it's come now. So, so yes and no, really. Um, as I said, like ridiculous, ridiculous things the last couple of weeks, but I have worked for it. And now to round this up, let's hear from Mike Cation, who was the announcer who got quite a bit of credit, deservedly so. Amazing, for his, for amazing his work. Right? call, his first here in the call from 2014, the Cartman, the uh, baffledness of Mike, and then we'll hear Mike talk about it, because Mike's obviously enjoyed this week before even the video came out, just seeing somebody hit from his world get this kind of attention. Pretty cool for him. So here he is, back on the show. Willis for the second straight set. I'm speechless. He has a candy bar and an RC Coke. You are kidding me. He's eating a Snickers. Come on. This is all a joke. I feel like this is a put on, right? Do we have a replay of that, guys? Yeah, let's take a look. So there's the RC Cola, and that's indeed a Snickers bar. Cartman lives. Cartman is as epic as it ever will get in a tennis match on the USTA Pro Circuit. Gets teased about his weight. And then three straight three setters and wins and now Cartman closing in on his first ever challenger quarterfinal Ben Rothenberg checking in on Twitter saying this Cartman fellow is my hero second match point the ace to finish it Cartman is through so the voice in that video, which the internet has been enjoying so much, I think over like 150,000 views in the last 24 hours or so on YouTube, which is pretty incredible. The commentator, bewildered, bemused, all of the above, <laughs> is Mike Cation of the USDA Pro Circuit feed. We had him on the show back last year in Charlottesville, and it's great to have a chance to bring you on again. Hello, Mike. Hi, it's great to talk to you guys, and I really appreciate it. It's been a overwhelming I think is the word I used earlier today but it's it's crazy how this has taken off what so what, what were your first thoughts I guess um let's, let's go back let's go back what are your earliest memories of Marcus Willis AKA it was Cartman? that week yeah. yeah it was that week in Knoxville um, 2014 2014 he uh, he tried to qualify and I think I think he made the final round qualifying in Charlottesville the week before um so I'd kind of seen him a little bit but that was that was the first time I'd seen anything like that uh i mean just he's constantly bantering as he calls it with his with his mates his british uh mates joshua milton daniel smethurst was there um those two guys and they were back actually in his box i was gonna say i saw i saw match. milton at least today yeah 
Um, but those guys, I mean, he's just constantly talking and just doing his unique style. Um, but I, I think the thing that stood out, I mean, if we're being completely blunt, he was big. He's a fat guy. Um, and he says yeah, it quickly, yeah. He's just a guy who, I mean, <laughs> to use the magazine quote, he's just like us. Um, he's just a, an, an average guy who plays kind of this old man tennis, and he's out there having a laugh, and, and that's what stood out. And then you go back and you see he was this amazing junior player, and yeah, it, that that was it, that that week, and then all of a sudden the RC Cola and the Snickers bar. Yeah, because I was, I think I get a shout out in this video that what the, the way the guy edited it. So thank you to whoever edited this video and put it up to <laughs> include my mention there because I was watching this live. I, I was trying to do the the timing. I think I might have been in Prague at the Fed Cup final. Okay. Just like staying up late one night and of course be, having no life whatsoever, tuning into the Knoxville Challenger Speaks. I wasn't getting enough tennis already. And <laughs> and I, I and I think Joey Hanf, who's the tennis nerds, have been going nuts about Cartman. Yes. And and it's just seen some chatter about it. And and yeah, I guess what what was um what was the reaction on the grounds uh, in Tennessee to this uh uh, uh, clearly overweight British fellow doing so well. If we're being honest, I, there there wasn't any. Yeah. Um, the the British guys talking to them, like I I guess I'm more in tune with the social media aspect, and so when Marcus posted the Facebook note that he'd received, you know, calling him Cartman, yeah. he thought it was a laugh. Um, the British guys, they're so used to him. Like they just, this is just what he does, right? So they they don't think anything of it. I think, frankly, some of the American players were just like, "How how are we losing to this guy?" Yeah, tennis. I mean, yeah, tennis. Sangren looks miserable in that yes. match. Yes, I I know that the the American players, some of the American players, called him Rolling Thunder uh, <laughs> because of his weight and all. So like there was this, that, and but I don't think any of the fans there. Um, really had any kind of appreciation of what they were watching. It was just kind of just another tennis match. And they were shocked that tennis Sandgren, who's, you know, a, a Tennessee volunteer, a former Tennessee volunteer, they were shocked he was losing to this guy. Yeah, that's right. I hadn't processed this was his home tournament. Yes. Mm, yeah. That's, that's not, not ideal. No, I mean, I <laughs> guess, I guess what was, and then you, you obviously had some fun in the broadcast with the, uh, him getting the RC Cola, which I agree was a bizarre soda choice. And... Yeah. It's because it's Tennessee made. Okay. Um, okay. So that's that's why. Okay. And they and and the Snickers bar and and you brought him on and I guess and he seemed to be uh, totally loving like you said he embraced the Cartman nickname and so yeah. he, he he seemed to be eating up the attention as well as the candy. <laughs> well, he's you know the thing is Ben he's like he's just an average guy. Like I know you've talked to him in the last few days. Oh yeah. Um, and he's just he's just an average guy who just enjoys what he does. I mean, he obviously wasn't taking it seriously enough, and he's the first to admit that. Um, but he's he's just a regular guy who's easy to talk to. Um, he came to Maui, and I know this story has been out about the fact that he. I'm sorry, my daughter just kind of popped in, but that's um, okay. He's he was training with a, and and coaching a, a girl who played at the Challenger. Um, there was a men's and women's event in Maui this year. And we just sat and talked for about an hour, and it was right before he found the girl in, in Great Britain. And he, that's the thing. He's just, a, he's just a nice human being who just happens to be caught up in this whirlwind of, of, of a story that we're all just amazed by. So when you were talking to him in Maui, he was saying he was done? He, was, he said he might give it one more go. It's in February, uh, he'd dealing, yeah. Yeah, he'd been dealing with some, some injuries, and he just wasn't sure. Um, he, he was, you know, you've heard about this Philadelphia dig, uh, gig and it's with this girl he was working with out in Hawaii and he just kind of was thinking maybe I'll just do that. But he, 
he just said, you know, I, I need, I, if I want to take it seriously, I have to take it seriously. And I'm just not sure right now if I want to do that. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, he has this monumental date. Yes, exactly. This date that needs to grow. It's all, it's all ridiculously like cinematic. It doesn't seem like a real life. It shouldn't ever be the turning point in someone's life that quickly, but it, it right. clearly was. Um, I guess, I guess what was your thoughts this year seeing when you first got wind that he was, uh, making a run, I don't know if you know, heard about it during qualifying or once he got yeah. the draw or what. I actually messaged him on WhatsApp um, after he went through pre-qualifying. And I just said, hey, congrats. It's quite great to see you playing again and, and giving it a go. And, and then I watched um, a little bit of the qualifying scores and things like that. And then I, I watched that entire match. I, I had goosebumps. I mean, you know, we're, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I'm lucky to have this opportunity at the challenger level. And this is why we do it is to tell guys like this, tell their stories. Um, And it's, you know, there are so many guys, maybe it's not as unique as, as Cartman here, but so many guys who are in this 100, 200, 300 level who have these amazing backstories, but you at the highest levels, you're just never going to hear it. And so it's, it's nice that we have this opportunity to show it. I'm just happy for a guy like that. Yeah. I guess, I guess Um, on, on that sort of note, zooming out, what do you think this run and this out of nowhere story will mean for the guys who you see week in, week out at these challenger events? Yeah, it's a great question. I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, if we're being realistic about what most of these guys are wanting, um, it's it's these type of moments, yeah, right? Sure, a, a second round against you know the, the greatest of all time on center court. They want to have careers that are kind of like Varenkis. I mean, if you think about what Varenkis did, a, a top 100 guy now, he's, I mean, he's a veteran of the, the challenger circuit over many years. So the... This is it. This is what a lot of these guys want, just to be a regular at, at this level, get into the first, second, maybe, you know, a great week, get into the third round of a major. This is this is what they want. But I think they've all seen it and 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 they're all happy for them. That's what has been most remarkable. Like I, I, I'm friends with several of the guys on Snapchat, several of our regulars at the Challenger level on Snapchat. They were all snapping about Marcus Willis all week, last week, this week. They're all happy for him because they, they know if this guy can do it, they can do it. And I think it's really exciting. Um, we're on in Winnetka next week, and I'm, I'm really interested to talk to these players about, you know, what, what this means for them. Yeah, for sure. I'm guessing, I wonder, now that his ranking is, now that his ranking is back up uh, towards, I guess, top 400, uh, I guess you think you might be seeing Cartman again soon. I hope so. I know he really enjoys playing over here. Um, he's done the indoor swing at the end of the year with us the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last year in Champaign, he nearly lost to a guy who was playing with a broken wrist, <laughs> um, a, a, a two-handed backhand that he couldn't actually hit, and he almost lost. That's kind of the level that he was at in November of last year. But I, I know he'll come back here. Um, he likes playing on those faster courts, so I, I think there are going to be some good opportunities for him. I I wouldn't be shocked if we see him maybe in, in Binghamton in a couple weeks or, or Lexington, two, two relatively quick courts um, that could suit his game pretty well. And he would make the cut there. That's why I just don't, I don't know what the cuts are like down when you get to like qualifying at that level. Yeah, he would get into qualifying, I think, of both. Binghamton's cut right now is about 310. For main draw. Um, for main draw. Okay. So he'd be, but it just came out this past Tuesday, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't make it for that now that I think about it. But Lexington's a possibility. With, 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 how much, with how much coverage he's gotten and what a story he's been, he wouldn't be the most ridiculous wild card pick for a place, a tournament that wants to get a little publicity. I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like if if I, I know that I know the tournament director in Champagne, and I, I like if 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 it happened to be this week, I would tell them give him a wild card. You're going to get coverage, in, and it would happen in a heartbeat. Yeah. 
Well, for sure. Well, thank you for the coverage in the beginning. All the details <laughs> down to the snacks. We hope that whatever tournament he is at next has an adequate snack bar for his tastes. And, Mike, thank you for being on with us. No, thanks, Ben. I really appreciate it, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. And thanks to your daughter for chiming in as well. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> she found a bug, and she's very excited. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, Ben. That's it for us. Yeah. Thank you very much, Courtney. No problem. Well, hopefully the first round ends tomorrow, given that it's Thursday. Day four, and there are still four <laughs> first-round matches in the women's draw that have not even hit a ball. So it's, uh, we're going we're gonna to see what happens. Do not touch my middle Sunday, Wimbledon. I got plans. We have plans. Literally, we have plans. Specifically, we can say what we have specifically yeah, planned. Do not fuck with our Beyonce tickets, Wimbledon. Do not fuck with our Beyonce tickets. <laughs> do not do it. It was so stupid of us to even buy them in the first place. <laughs> it was like a 4 a.m. decision for some, some after reason. Recording a sh- episode, after recording yeah. an episode, we were still Skyping. And I was like, oh, Beyonce's going to be in in London while we're there. Let's buy tickets for an exorbitant amount of money. And not only that. It wasn't that crazy money. It was a lot of money. Well, less so now after Brexit. But <laughs> <laughs> but before, I mean, now it's like 32 cents. But yeah. yeah. Lastly. The executive producers have no challenges remaining for this episode and all episodes. Panchard Zendes of TennisBalls.com and Tal Woolley. Bye, Courtney. Bye-bye, man. Looking for one more and more. People just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for. Free from desire.